0: hey mama hey mama hey mama what's she doing hello everyone welcome to co-parenting your thrive guide podcast my name is deborah lanae and i am the host of the podcast and i am so appreciative of you taking the time to join me again this week I hope everyone's week has been good. Mine has been very productive, although it has lacked um, creativity, should I say. I had a hard time this week in in preparing and getting my creative juices flowing, so I think it's because this week I worked a lot on the business side of my business, and so when I I have to use two separate parts of my brain, so it was uh, a little difficult this week for me, but I feel like whenever I get into a place where I can't figure out what to say or what I want to share or, you know, when you kind of get into that fog where you don't know what you're doing, I try to always go back to the basics, and so slow down, breathe, breathe. Uh, and just just go back to the basics. But other than that, I had a great week. Everyone in my world is healthy and doing well, so I am very grateful for that. I wanted to talk this week about wholehearted co-parenting. And if any of you that know me know that Um, I love Brene Brown, who is an author, a researcher, a storyteller, a speaker, and she is just has done amazing work. And she, I've read all of her books, but the one parenting book that stuck out to me more than any other parenting book that I've read, it just resonated with me was the book um, called The Gifts of Imperfect Parenting. And I wish I would have had this book, you know, years ago when I was parenting Bree when she was little. I probably would have been a much better mother. And as you all know, that there is no such thing as having the perfect parent or perfectly co-parenting. And we all know it does not exist. And yet, I believe I can say that we all struggle with the social expectations of what our situation, what our parenting should look like, what our co-parenting should look like. And at times, we feel inadequate. I know I do. And I speak to a lot of parents that feel inadequate too. And the messages that socially we receive are very powerful. And I know for me, I spend a lot of time, I used to spend a lot of time and energy on managing the perceptions and then making sure that the edited version of my family was what I should be showing the world. And I believe that the book that Brene Brown wrote on the gifts of imperfect parenting. And she also wrote another one before that, the gifts of imperfection. And in her books, she draw, she draws on 12 years of, I think it was 12 years or so of research. And she researches uh, vulnerability and courage and worthiness and shame. And in the book, she presents 10 guideposts. creating what she describes as wholehearted families. And while she talks about parenting, I wanted to specifically share those guideposts and then specifically talk about co-parenting and how it affects each of us. So what do wholehearted people have in common? And in Brené Brown's research, she found that the things that held most people back were held that held most people back were shame and the fear of vulnerability and how that those two things really limit the potential to lead wholehearted lives. And as she began studying what made wholeheartedness unique, She was looking for women and men living and loving with their whole hearts despite the risks and uncertainty. And so as I think about that, as it relates to co-parenting, how have you or I co-parented in a way that is done with our whole hearts? no matter what the risk and uncertainty is. And where others approach life half-heartedly, wholehearted people have the courage to bring their full selves to the table. So in your co-parenting situation, bringing your whole self to the table despite the risk and uncertainty. So before I share the 10 guideposts for wholehearted parenting, I wanted to first explain that these guideposts, they are like a coin with two sides. So on one side, it will show, and if you see any of my Facebook or Instagram posts, you'll see, um, it will show what to cultivate. And on the other side, it instructs us what to let go of. So the two work hand in hand. And cultivating is about creating something positive. It's about moving forward. It's about like, if you want to make a metaphor, putting your oars in the water to row your boat on the sea of life, right? So that's what it's it's about action. Letting go is about removing the resistance. It's detaching the anchors from our boat. So we can make more effective progress when we row. So without creating the positive, you won't move forward. And without releasing what weighs us down, our progress will be limited and slow and probably even more painful. The term guidepost also signifies that wholeheartedness is a travel. It's not a destination. So to put it another way, Wholeheartedness, in and, and let me just say Brene Brown says wholeheartedness is like a North Star. You can never get there, but you know you're headed the right way. So while, when I share these 10 guideposts with you, just understand that this is not like a one-time shot. Okay, these are the 10 things I need to do. It's not a checklist, although I love checklist. It is not a checklist and it is something that we're all striving for. The first one is cultivating authenticity and then letting go of what other people think. So in an effort to cultivate authenticity, you could identify who you are when you're at your best and then make a list and then make it a habit to show up that way so that you can celebrate your best moments when, hey, that's me, that's me. Number two, um, notice when you're trying to please others or get caught in worrying about what others think. And you make a mental note that this needs work, right? And then try to shift back to your authentic self. And I know for me, I always work on being authentic and then letting go of what people think. And it's hard for me. I used to always say, oh, I don't care what people think. Yes, I do. And yes, I did. And um, I think it's whenever you do something that's outside of the norm. So for me, starting this podcast, I was really scared. To be honest, I was afraid. Like, oh my gosh, I sound so so critical and thinking, really? What do I know? When in fact, like I've been through a lot with co-parenting and parenting in general. So I do know. But just letting go of the judgment and the criticism, it's so hard. I So I get it. The number two guidepost is cultivating self-compassion and letting go of per- perfectionism. So that's basically, you know, being kind to yourself, know you're human like everyone else, and just accept who you are without judgment and I know for me, I always try to practice self-compassion, especially as I've gotten older, like I tried to be super perfect and do everything and I did everything wrong. But I tried to do everything (laughs) perfect and yet live my best life and I made a mess of it a lot of times. So pay attention to your perfection tendencies and when they kick in. And this means like making a sincere effort on things that you can control while embracing what the reality is. And if it's out of your control, it's really not worth your energy. Number 3, cultivating your resilient spirit, letting go of numbing and powerlessness. So, resilience is as you guys that have listened to all my podcasts is just co-parenting even when and getting up and doing it all over again, or saying, choosing not to make that phone call to the ex when something has happened with your child, um, that, you know, it's some point, letting, learning to let it go, and then doing it again, and again, and even when, and you just keep on doing it. And no, I got to just move forward, what's in the best interest of my child. And then also being aware of the numbing strategies that we use in our life. So if it's food or TV, or your phone, or alcohol, or awareness of the moments that happen that create, okay, I'm getting ready to go for ice cream, or I'm getting ready to go for the entire bag of chips. What is your, you know, just being aware mentally. And, you know, did that conversation when I dropped off the kid at my ex's, that put me over the edge. So now I'm going to go get a bowl of ice cream. Um, And then try to consciously be aware and then make that effort to do the opposite, something physical. The number four guidepost is cultivating gratitude and joy, letting go of scarcity and fear. So, as you all know, I am a big, huge gratitude person. And I feel like that is how I've survived so many things in my life is through gratitude. And every day, what three things are we grateful for? Uh, I do that with Ava. I did that with um, Bree. And so what if we, instead of thinking about what the day is going to be like, what if we expected joy in our life and and know that we're capable of creating that joy through gratitude? So taking note of what you're grateful for every day and keeping a gratitude journal, which I used to do it. I don't, to be honest, I don't keep a gratitude journal now. But I do constantly live in a state of gratitude. Whenever I start feeling depressed or discouraged, I always reach for gratitude. And when I feel fear or scarcity, I know with this new venture for me the podcast and my master classes and stuff that are i am working on now i've like oh my gosh i feel scared but then i always go back to okay this is this is my opportunity to practice gratitude and to live present to live in the moment and not to be fearful of not having enough and just to live in the moment and so if we do that with our co-parent our lives will be much better and gratitude even when even when number five guidepost is cultivating intuition and trusting faith letting go of the need for certainty when we find ourselves in uncertain places we should check in with our intuition Find the stillness and consider what is spirit telling me or what is my intuition telling me and choose to go with your instinct because I'm telling you that instinct of ours, it's never wrong. It's never wrong. And so i wish i would have listened i know that's an old cliche but i wish i would have listened to myself more when i was younger especially in my 20s and knew that i should check in with my intuition what it internally what is is my heart telling me and then create a space in your life to foster that internal connection So, you know, so many of us are bombarded by media and the phone and everything and we lose track of what's best for us. But by making time for meditation, journaling, whatever your alone time looks like, will keep that strong internal um, connection. I know I meditate and I listen to voice meditations at night, especially when I struggle to go to sleep. So doing that and I and Let me just stop and say on intuition, we as co-parents, we know the other parent pretty well or, you know, should by now. And if your gut is saying, maybe I should just let him or her have that extra Wednesday or that extra time that they requested or whatever it is. If your gut is telling you to do that, do that. Because I know in my past, I um, have had, I had, you know, friends or whatever in your ear saying, don't do that. Don't give him an inch, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's going to take advantage of you and then he's going to expect it. But in my heart, if it's not detrimental to the child and it's, it's going to be okay, And let them, so go with your gut, always on that. And then, um, and trust your intuition. Number six, cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. So get in the habit of making things. What's your favorite way to be creative? And I really, really, really need to work on this. And I actually told Ava today that I was going to start working on being more creative because I don't feel like I'm very creative and she said like what would you do mom and I'm like well I know this sounds funny but when I was a little girl my mom took us one or two times to a uh, ceramic we we got to paint ceramic I think I painted a tennis shoe I think that's what I painted. And so I told Ava today, like, I think I'm going to paint a ceramic tennis shoe or some kind of ceramic. I think I want to do that again. So anyway, whatever, get creative and then share your gifts with the world. But And let go of comparison, because as we all know, comparison is a joy killer. So pay attention to the sensations you feel when you're starting to compare yourself with someone else. I know for me, I have always been, oh, if, if I had so-and-so's house or so-and-so this, I would be a better mother, sister, daughter, friend. But we all know comparison is a joy killer. Number seven, cultivating play and rest. Letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity is self worth. Whoa, that is a lot. So creating regular time for unstructured play. I don't do this. I should do this. And I'm working on it. But I don't. So get physical and dance and play games. A, I'm, I'm not crazy about board games. But I do throw a ball. And I am trying to let my inner child go free. But those are things that we can work on I can work on Um, and I think another thing is practicing a playful mindset which if you know my girls I really try to have a lot of humor in life and I think I can be really funny maybe there's others that don't probably Alex my son-in-law doesn't think I'm that funny but anyway So I think having that playful mindset and approaching a lot of things in life with fun will help. I think also as a tie into that, when they're noticing warning signs when you're in need of rejuvenation, right? And you need to recommit to any self-care practices. Number eight, cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. So I think that Breathing is a big, big deal. And what I mean by that is conscious breathing. On my um, iWatch, there's a breathing thing. And when I'm working away, I will get this little vibrate on my arm that tells me I need to breathe. And I have really started doing that. That every hour on the hour, I take two minutes. And I really am practicing mindful mindfulness and breathing. And that has really helped me a lot with my anxiety levels. Because, you know, a lot of times we go through our day and don't even realize. Also in this cultivating calmness and stillness is to create a space for introspection, solitude, journaling. And just a way to that you can understand yourself deeper. Number nine, cultivating meaningful work. Letting go of self-doubt and what we're, quote, supposed to do. So reflect on what is our unique gifts and then start showing up and sharing those with the world. And when you notice yourself, you sh- shoulda, shoulding, like shoulding yourself, like I should be doing this, I should do that. Pause and switch directions so drop the should and the supposed to from your vocabulary and replace it with want so instead of saying I should be making the summer schedule for the co-parent like who gets what vacation time switch it to I want to do and that will start the, the process of changing your thinking in all the shooting that we do. I know I do a lot. And the number 10 guide for wholehearted living is cultivating laughter, song, and dance, and letting go of cool and always in control. Laughter is my number one thing. Song, hmm, I'm okay. Dancing, me not so good. But I will say that I sing a lot with Ava and we laugh a lot. She does more of the dancing than I do. And next time you have the thought, but what if people think I'm weird? Remember that fitting in is far less important than making authentic connections with others. So don't let the fear of looking weird or odd, prevent us from doing the things that serve our heart and our soul. So those are the 10. I'm going to quickly just give you the 10 again and without any of the extra talking, just to summarize them up. And I think... um, I will will also post this week, and I hope this has been helpful. So number one, cultivate authenticity. Let go of what other people think. Cultivating self-compassion and letting go of perfectionism. Cultivating your resilient spirit. Letting go of numbing and powerlessness. Cultivating gratitude and joy. Letting go of scarcity and fear. Number five, cultivating intuition and trusting faith, letting go of the need for certainty. Number six, cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. Number seven, cultivating play and rest, letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. Number eight, cultivating calm and stillness and letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle cultivating meaningful work letting go of self-doubt and supposed to cultivating laughter song and dance and letting go of cool and always in control i hope that you have found this helpful and i hope you take these guideposts and use them as you start your wholehearted co-parenting journey thank you again for joining me and have a wonderful week Hey, Mamas, thank you so much for joining me again today on Co-Parenting, your Thrive Guide podcast. You can download your free Thrive Guide on my website at DebraLenay.com. If you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to rate and review me wherever you get your podcast. It really goes in supporting the podcast, and I would really appreciate your feedback, good or bad. I would love to hear from you. My new podcast comes out every Monday, so please join me next Monday. Until next time, I am Deborah Linnae, and remember for this week to lead your conversations with honesty, clarity, and love, and always give grace extended.